Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 126 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thank you so much for being here. Today, my guest is Ellen Bruss. She's the creative director and owner at EBD Design, or Ellen Bruss Design EBD, uh, out in Denver, Colorado. She kicked off her design career in the rock and roll game and is a huge fan of the rock and roll. During this episode, we also get into where she finds her inspiration from, and she tells us a really unique story about um, an awesome lecture series that she was a part of where they created really, really unique invites to it, and what they created, why it was better than just sending an email, and also the person that she did these lecture series with, and their unique perspective on design and the creative thinking process that they were putting people through at this lecture series. We also talk about how Ellen is a huge fan of all things design, not just graphic design, but also interior design, brand design, restaurant design. And she actually owns a few hotels and had the opportunity to brand them, to uh, interior design them as well. So she's touched all aspects of design. I really enjoyed chatting with Ellen and hearing her stories and the creative journey that she's been on. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Ellen Brass. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a quickie? Hi, Ellen. How are you today? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Perfect. So, are you ready for a quickie? Well... Um, I guess so. I've never been that big of a fan of a quickie, but you know, <laughs> we're okay. going to give it a go. <laughs> All right. We'll give it a go. Perfect. We'll start with the toughest question first. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. I went to Michigan state university, um, got a bachelor of fine arts with an emphasis in graphic design. Uh, Michigan state was very different than my hometown, which was very small and not diverse. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I moved to Denver, uh, during one of its, uh, legendary recessions. Um, I started working in rock and roll and, um, that wasn't full time. So I, um, picked up some other work, freelance work with agencies, big and small, Mm -hmm. independent designers, um, all sorts of different things kind of taught me the lay of the land of, what I liked doing and what I didn't like doing. And um, eventually I just picked up a bunch of business and started EBD. Um, I had MCA concerts and Janice Mutual funds, and that was enough to hang up the shingle. So, <laughs> the rest is history. Well done. Um, yeah, I feel like you've rehearsed that introduction. Uh, we have a lot of uh, students that come in here, and so I, I, I you know, that's my shit. You're used to it. You got it. Got it. <laughs> um, so before EBD, 
how long are we talking from school to starting EBD? What's that time frame like? Um, I started EBD when I was 30 years old. So lots of uh, creative moments before then. Yeah, so three or four years old, it sounds like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Ellen, I want to dive back even further than that. And I want to ask you about what your childhood was like. And if you feel that you had a creative childhood that, uh, I guess, kind of pointed you in this career path. I definitely had a creative childhood. And I, um, I didn't have creative uh, parents. And my brothers were not creative. So I was kind of the lone drummer in the band. Um, but my, my parents had artist friends and they collected art. So it was around me. And I just, I kind of gravitated to wherever I could, um, you know, be creative. Mm -hmm. uh, in kindergarten, I taught the other kids how to draw feet. I'm not sure how I was an expert at that, but it did. And, and um, my sort of first graphic design moment was um, when we started to do cursive, I actually um, would change my cursive and present it to my family. And I, you know, I thought it was so cool, like, okay, look, here's my new handwriting. And, and they just thought I was a lunatic, you know. Um, and, you know, I did art and craft and classes and you name it over the years. Um, taught, uh, I, I had a job where I taught um, um, the macrame owl, which was, you know, unfortunate because nobody can learn how to make that who doesn't mm -hmm. know what they're doing in an hour. Um, so all those things led up to uh, seeking out a class in high school. We had a commercial art class. And once I took that, I realized that it could be a career. So, okay, that's the cool moment then. So you were around art. Um, but nobody really pointed you in the direction. You just kind of came upon it yourself. And that high school class was what really kicked it off for you. Exactly. Very exactly. cool. So yeah. what, are the, what are the steps after that? So you took the high school class that lit the design fire. Then what? Then I went to Michigan State. Um, uh, we had a very Bauhaus program, which was really cool. Um, my first two years were kind of a combined art and regular classes, and my last two years were, were dedicated to design. Mm -hmm. um, so I really got to focus on it. Our, our, the, well, the head of the department was amazing. He just recently passed away, and um, he, was, he had worked at The New Yorker. So he got the idea of bringing in professionals to teach us. It wasn't people who weren't working in the field. So we learned, we learned a ton. And uh, after uh, Michigan State, I really grew weary of the cold. <laughs> I um, had come out to Colorado with some friends for a dead show and decided to uh, just leap and move to Colorado as you, as you would when you're 22 years old. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Very cool. So in that commercial art class where it all kind of kicked off for you, um, was that the moment that you started noticing design everywhere in the world and started seeing it? Well, you know, I think I, I think I always thought about design, you know, my brothers were seven and eight years older than me. So they had all the coolest new records and I would steal them all and look at the record cover art and, 
you know, I mean, it, that was very interesting to me. I didn't know that it meant graphic design and that there was a person who actually did that, but I liked it, you know, and I looked at it and I understood it. Um, the moment I knew I really flipped into design when, was when I was renovating my first house and I was arguing with my mom about the toilet. She was like, it's a toilet. And I said, but I have to see it every day. Yeah. It should look good. And, you know, it was that moment where I was like, everything's design, really. You know, what we do on paper or um, in the internet, but also, you know, everything around you, everything you use, everything, you know, um, is about design. Totally. It couldn't be, you know, more true for sure. Um, so in that phase, in that area, I, I want to know what stands out to you as maybe something that was really influential to your design career or maybe even the most influential design of your life so far? So I had the opportunity to work with um, Adam Lerner, who um, ran an organization called uh, The Lab and also was director of the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver. And it, that collaboration was just really a meeting of minds. He, he um, had a different way of looking at how, what a contemporary art museum should be. And um, when, when I looked at it, I, you know, I had loved contemporary art and I was always trying to get my friends to go to contemporary art, but there was a barrier there. Like contemporary art museums, you know, it was all about sans serif type and white space and very, you know, like kind of intimidating graphics. Like mm -hmm. you need to know what we're talking about to enter the door. And so with Adam, he he wanted to do, um, his, his very first program at the lab was um, a series called Mixed Taste, which was two completely unrelated topics and, um, you know, 20 minutes each and then 20 minutes to find the commonalities in them. And they had nothing to do with contemporary art. So it'd be like uh, fried chicken and birth control. <laughs> and so I took that and I was like, well, this is like something you can get people to, to you know, come to if you present it right. So, so we did this brand for him, which was really, inconsistently consistent. It was wild graphics, lots of layering, lots of collaging, lots of different fonts, um, but in always a sort of language that was fun and funny and kind of like, you can come and everybody can do this. And it, it really worked. I mean, we the lab was in a suburb of Denver and to get people from Denver or art people to go, 15 minutes away for something is tough. And we were getting 300 plus people for these lectures, which is unheard of. I mean, even today, you, people get less than 50 people. And, and you know, it just showed us that there was something about this, there was some magic about this brand. But it was really us communicating what Adam's vision was. You know, Adam's vision was this you know, I'm going to make this something that everybody can kind of understand and they can have a path to enter that's a little bit different than a normal museum. So 
it, it, it's definitely a highlight. He, he actually um, was not sure about our brand direction because it was so different from how a contemporary art museum was being marketed that he actually um, took people who he had done his PhD, like his colleagues, he took them off the list when he sent the first piece, which was, uh, we had Mexican wrestlers, you know, depicting the mixed taste. So, um, uh, yeah, he, he actually did a TED talk on it called The Art of Risk. And, and um, he took people off the list, you know, because he thought he was like, you know, they were going to think he was absolutely crazy. But when it worked, you know, now he goes around the country, actually has a, um, a, a foundation grant to go around and train um, people within contemporary art museums how to, how to do creative programming in a different way. Wow, what a cool experience to be a part of. I made um, some notes here because I want to go like Google the visuals of this stuff. I want to see this stuff now. We did a blog post on it. And so there, there's quite a few of them, not all of them, but quite a few of them in the, um, in the post. Okay. Where it, can we find that blog post? It's on uh, ebd.com slash blog. Awesome. Okay. I definitely want to look that up. Super cool. Thanks, Ellen. Um. Ellen, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? So um, I love Louise Feely. I, I love how she takes the historical and makes it contemporary. I grew up in a really historic town. Like they wouldn't let anyone do any neon signs, no McDonald's in town, all hand painted signs. But I, but I kind of loved all the typography and stuff that came along with that. Mm -hmm. So we, um, you know, I like to use those ideas, but I always like to make it contemporary. And I think she does a really great job at that. Um, Stefan Seigmeister, I mean, sure a lot of people mentioned him. It, just his creativity and his use of materials. I mean, we're always trying to experiment with materials. And I find what he does is super inventive. I know he's sort of gearing to doing exhibition stuff instead of actual graphic design assignments now, but um, I still find it very inspiring. And then for brand, I love um, the fashion houses right now. I Like Gucci is a good example of a company that started out as, you know, a horse-oriented, traditional, you know, very narrow kind of frame audience. Mm -hmm that has said, you know what, we can still be about that, but we can kind of blow the doors off of it and just let loose and be really modern, you know? So I always find a lot of inspiration in um, fashion and architecture and, uh, you know, product design and other, other places where people are doing design. I, I kind of like to follow those things more than I like to follow design because I don't want to be an imitator. I want to be, think about how people are um, expressing problems and solving them. Mm -hmm. Well said. I really like that, you know, where you're looking at, you know, almost different industries to see what the design and what the, the feel is like there and pulling elements of that rather than following specific designers or artists. Right. 
you know, they're they're always trying to solve a problem, and and it's so interesting to see how they take that and 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 weave it in their own terms. You know, whether it's color, or fabric, or um, like Mark Jacob Jacobs' uh, New York uh, Fashion Week show was an explosion of color, and he actually had this um, Stephen Jones. Um, he's a milliner that does work for Dior, and he was just in for our Dior exhibit. And, and he, he had Stephen make all these crazy hats for the show. And I mean, it was just, um, it was a really interesting idea to um, frame a very chaotic time. Like the clothing and the patterns and the colors was all kind of chaotic, but in a way it was kind of harmonious and, and loud. Like, you know what, we can forge ahead and we can get through this. I don't know. I, that's how I interpret it. Totally. Really well said. I like that. Um, I want to ask a little bit now about print. And we've touched on it a little bit in some cool, funky prints and stuff that you were a part of um, that inspired you earlier on. But how are you utilizing print in your design career right now? Do you have any print or packaging stories to share? We, um, the, the, Biggest print moment at the studio is always the, um, again, MCA. Um, we do have other clients, but um, it's just a really good example because we do their gala invitation every year, and it's um, we named it Luminosity, with mm-hmm. city being C-I-T-Y. And, um, but, so it always has to have some glowing, you know, kind of neon or foil or something. And then we, um, uh, you know, have an artist to respond to. So, like last year was Tara Donovan, and she's an artist who um, makes these enormous sculptures out of found material. So, for instance, she'll do a wall of straws that like undulate back and forth, or um, she uses like note cards and and makes like shapes out of them. She uses slinkies, you know, all of these things that are ordinary objects, but they look very, um, you know, organic. Um, so for that project, we, we actually do two invites, one that goes to the, to the main um, uh, audience, and then one that goes to the sponsors and, and donors. So for that one, we actually took um, found materials, we took corrugated cardboard, and we made a light, a light. Um, and it had a light bulb inside of it. You could turn it on and off, but it was, I mean, it was s- simple in the end, but so complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, testing, having our letterpress guy, like, you know, cat out the shapes, you know, what, what worked right, you know, um, assembling it, um, there's a lot of hand assembly mm-hmm. in these projects. Um, so it's just a really fun print project where we um, make our accounting person really nervous. <laughs> but we really experiment with what you can do. Like what? how can you laser cut or how can you foil or how can you emboss or, or um, you know, letterpress or all these techniques so mm-hmm. we actually sent this thing in a cardboard tube um, my production manager she calls herself the the dream killer but she's not at all you know <laughs> so 
in a tube lit and, and you know, like Tara put it on her uh, son's bedside and one of our donors put it upside down on his outdoor uh, uh, patio, you know, um, umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so so why do you think it's so important to create an invitation or set a tone in print instead of just sending an email invitation? You know, we actually did that one year for the, um, for the, it wasn't mixed taste probably, it was probably one of the other lecture series. We, we had a bunch, Fem and Co and things like that for MCA and, and um, it did it digitally one year and it just was like people, you know, didn't respond. I mean, we just did not get the RSVPs. And honestly, right now, I think that mail sort of fell off and people don't get as much mail, especially millennials don't get mail, you know? Mm. So I think that's a huge opportunity actually to get them. I mean, when this invite comes in the mail, it's joy. I mean, it's a toy, it's a prize, you know? We did one one year with Mark Mothersbaugh. That was a, it was a, um, you know, kind of a fun house, and it had all of his illustrations on it. It was it was die cut, three D pop up, you know, um, circus tent, you know, craziness. I mean, people keep those. Um, I've seen them on people's bookshelves, you know, all over the city, and I think there's more to it than just the day of event, it reminds them that MCA is a really creative place. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, through that touch and feel of print, you can't do that digitally, right? No. You know, maybe you can do a cute a- animation that's kind of fun, you know, but then it's just like trash, you know? And it's gone. And we, we try to make sure that whatever we do is going to stay, have holding power, that it doesn't, you're, you know, even with direct mail, you're you're close to the trash, right? So um, we try to make sure we don't get there. Definitely. No, I like how you said about the the opportunity right now because millennials are bombarded with Instagram ads and Facebook ads and email marketing and all of that sort of thing. That you're right, the the mailbox is kind of dried up. So that's your opportunity to now get in there and get that attention. Right. Right. I mean, what little piece of joy can you send somebody, you know? Totally. A little piece of joy. I like that. A little piece of joy. Um, so, Ellen, the next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. You know, I was thinking about this. I'm sure there's lots of mistakes over the years, but anymore we try to – figure out when we're heading down the road to making a mistake and address it earlier. Mm -hmm. So um, what's going wrong and why are we off target? and Why is this not going to come out right? And I find that usually it's that the client is telling us to, they're they're making the decision. They're telling us, make it purple and, and put an illustration in it. And instead of telling us what the problem is that we're mm-hmm. supposed to solve. So, you know, oftentimes I find anymore we, we, we go backwards. We're like, wait a minute, halt, let's go back, let's figure out what we're doing and why we're doing it. And hopefully there's the time for that. 
so you don't make that mistake or you're unhappy with the piece in the end. Totally. Um, we're making our client do that right now that we've worked with for 10 years. And honestly, it's the world has changed. Um, what they do has changed. So re-looking at it and figuring out what their positioning is and where they should be targeted is going to help us not make those mistakes, right? Yeah, being able to catch them earlier on is definitely a huge part of the growth process. Um, but I want to ask you, Ellen, what you think the most challenging time in your design career so far has been. Um, why was that challenging? How did you get through that? Um, like when I started the business, which was a while ago. This <laughs> <laughs> is a while ago, but it, 2007, the recession, we... I mean, we were in the middle of, we did, we do all, um, you know, consumer work. Mm -hmm. um, we had a lot of real estate at the time and it just fell apart. I mean, people lost their jobs, businesses folded, our projects canceled. It was very, very trying. Um, I kept my staff together for the most part and kind of just put my one foot in front of the other and figured it out. Um, we actually got into food at that point. We actually got um, Hammond's Candies um, and started working with them and started doing beverage, booze, um, and, and, and food because uh, those are, you know, those, those you actually need more of during a recession. You need more candy and more booze. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, so that was really what sort of moved you through that time when what used to be your core business basically fell off. Yes, it, it, all of that business went away. And we're, we're still in real estate. We um, have, have kept it as part of our business, um, you know, and we have a really strong food and beverage. We basically kind of do, you know, everything that you, uh, how you live, where you live. Uh, and what you buy, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, it's it's worked out. You know, it's it's hard when you're when you have one so much in one basket for sure. Definitely, diversifying is like a massive survival tactic. Now, now I have you know the accountant who's like that can't be more than this percent, and you know the eighty twenty rule and and all that. So definitely. Um, Ellen, I want to now go to a specific designer project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Um, you know, I guess um, I don't really, you know, try to think about a design that went wrong. It's been so long since that has happened. You know, we, like I said, we always are looking to see what's, why it's going to, what's going to go wrong, right? And and I have everybody sort of trained to keep an eye out for that, my account managers, my production manager, and so we, we tend to be on the early side, so, uh, you know, we're talking to the printer right after design. Like, those MCA invites, we have a relationship while we're figuring out what the design looks like with the vendor so that we, we don't make the mistakes. I'm sure when I was in rock and roll, I made a lot of mistakes and I got yelled at all the time. Uh, 
because it was the nature of the business. Um, but you know, you, you learned to you learned to think ahead. I so, so you almost have. Um, I'm perfect. The, I don't have any examples. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the procedures in place that sort of guide that now. Yes. Got it. What are you struggling with in your design career right now? My husband and I are are um, trying to do some projects um, together, and um, the first of which, well, the first of which was a, a hotel downtown called the Hotel Born, and that's been up and running for two years. And we're trying to do more hospitality um, programs, so we have a drive-in movie theater and southwestern Colorado and we have um, another uh, hotel in the mountains that are upcoming projects. The struggle is I have a full-time business and job and <laughs> trying to find the time to carve out for these projects has been difficult. When we did the hotel it was a tremendous amount of time but it's I mean it's a fun problem. I'm, I'm leaving on Thursday to go to research in the Dolomites for the for the hotel up in the mountains so it's a, it's a it's a good problem what do you I, what I'm doing is adding more and more people who are taking more and more responsibility on mm -hmm. here you know that's a really unique design problem because you are doing research for a project that you then are going to try and build the brand for and bring it up on its feet yes it's it's the first hotel started. We were traveling in, in Portland. My stepson went to school right outside of Portland. And we we were in all these hotels that we didn't like, you know, didn't love. And every time we were in the hotel, you know, and we found the problem, we'd be like, well, our hotel, you know, will have, you know, a bigger area to get ready. So we're not fighting over the bathroom or, you know, whatever the problem wants. Um, so it was really unique to take that uh, experience and and then roll that out into a brand. So it's actually named after um, it's my mother's maiden name, and uh, you know I you know got to sort of touch everything, um, pick you know basically from the concept of what you want it to be to the final finished result and I'm, I'm on it day to day now I, I, I help with the interiors and maintaining it and refreshing it I'll, uh, I'm in the process right now of getting some chairs replaced or um, replacing some pillows or adding some art or upgrading some things uh, so it's, it's interesting that's cool um, so that may tie into this next question, which is where I'm going to turn the bus around. Um, but I want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of. So that was going to be my project that I was most <laughs> proud of, just, just because it's so all-encompassing. So, um, you know, we, we created this brand. Um, we created the brand to have legs, to, to have other iterations of it in other places. Um, we did um, all of the brand development. We did two restaurants under that um, as part of the hotel, all the collateral for the hotel. 
you know, uh, web work, uh, signage, a full signage package. And then I also got to work on, um, I art directed all the interiors. So the interior palette and the vision boards were mine and my husband's. Um, and then, you know, I picked out fabrics and I picked out all 75 rugs in the hotel and um, all those kinds of things. We also, um, art is a passion of mine and uh, I hired a curator and worked closely with him to develop the art program for the hotel. We have um, 700 works of original art, um, local, and it's all local artists. Um, really cool and, um, you know, then day to day I, I still help with brand items and and uh, um, interior stuff. So. Very cool. So definitely like an all-encompassing design project. Yes. My, my staff bought me a little neon sign that says, and it was just a dream. <laughs> Super fitting. It was just a dream. And then, and then it happened. So. Super fitting. Um, Ellen, what is one design product tool, website, or community you just can't live without? I thought about this, and there's so many tools and so many things that we uh, use, but really the internet. I mean, just the internet on its own and all the apps and all the possibilities that associate with the internet. I mean, you can, you don't even have to, you, you can find out how old somebody is, when um, music artist uh, when that record came out in a second mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. you think about it and you used to have to go to a library to dig out information now you can instantly get what's the definition of that word or I want to learn more about this you know it, it's so um, incredible that you know the explosion around that and that's just gonna continue and continue Nice. Well said. I like that one. Um, Alan, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. So I have a question for you for my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my previous guest was Lisa Kane. She is a freelance designer out of Chicago, Illinois, and she specializes in not-for-profit and association design. So she wanted to ask, um, in what ways do you nurture your inner artist? My inner artist, I mean, I, I really have a life of creativity because, you know, I do creative during the day. I'm creative director at the agency, so I get to be involved in all the projects here. But then my passion is, is art um, and music and all those, you know, associated things. Um, so I travel around the world, going to museums, going to art fairs. Um, I'm really good friends with a lot of uh, national and international and local artists. So it's it's a life of creativity. I'm, I'm lucky. Very nicely said. So Ellen, what is your question that you'd like to ask my next guest? So um, this is a question we ask in interviews, and we do take some shit for it. Um, <laughs> From time to time um, but it's what is your sign and then I'm going to add to that and how does this affect your work mm. I haven't had that one before so nice question 
Perfect. Ellen, you've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks, Dave. I really appreciate it. All right. That is the end of today's episode, everybody. That is it for the week. Five episodes, five days. Happy Friday, and it is the Canadian Thanksgiving long weekend. So to all my Canadian friends and fans out there, gobble, gobble. Go get that turkey. Or for the vegetarians, there's a delicious stuffed butternut squash recipe out there on Pinterest. Just look it up. But it's good. Delicious. Have a great long weekend. Canadians, U.S. folks, don't you worry. I'm back Monday. I uh, a new episode there on Monday. See you then. Bye.